Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. If you would take out your Bible or the Pew Bible in front of you or open up your Bible app and turn with me to Luke's Gospel. We're going, to look at verse, we're going to look at chapter 15, verses 11 through 14, as we consider what it means to be stewards of the resources God has given to us. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the wealth. I mean that to mean inheritance. That will belong to me. And so the man divided his assets between them. And a few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant region. And there he squandered his wealth in dissolute living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that region, and he began to be in need. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord, we hear your sanctuary filled with your praise and your glory. We have laid our petitions at your feet. And our souls have cried out for your direction. So as we hear your word read and proclaimed, speak, for your servants are listening. Speak so that we would hear those words and be changed and go forth from this place, not as mere hearers of your words, but as doers of your words. Your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So spending any amount of time, if it's just catching the headlines at the grocery store and the Wall Street Journal or really pouring into it, or even the Winston-Salem Journal, or the newspaper, wherever you might be, it's a bit of a precarious time in our economy, isn't it? I mean, it's really, you don't have to really be a rocket scientist or an economist to figure this out. I mean, inflation is up, the stock market is down, um, interest rates are up. I mean, things are so bad that if you were to go to Kohl's to buy a new pillow, you find that even down is now up. I did that for free. So our economists are flirting with this R word. They, they're trying to decide, is it time to declare it? Is it time to hit that button and say, pay attention, we're in a recession or not? But the interesting fact is that as part of this congregation, there are about six generations of members in this church. And with those six generations, we have seen this before. We have seen downturns. Maybe we've heard stories from our parents or our grandparents about the Great Depression or remember the stagflation of the 80s or the dot-com burst in 2000 or even the Great Recession of 2008. So with all that in mind, just to let you know that this week was payroll week in the life of the church and I got what I like to refer to as my love note from you all. Thank you very much. And it begins this constant process, so much in your household, the same way it is in mine, that when you get paid, you start to pay the bills. It begins this race to see if you can get to the bottom of the stack of bills with a little bit of jingle left 
in the jar or not. Where you want to get down there and you want to say that all the bills are paid and there's still money in the bank. But in these economic times, that's not always the case for everyone in the world. It's not always the same for us to be able to say, yes, there's still jingle in the jar when we get to the end of the month. Sometimes it's because of hardship like job loss or a calamity in life, unexpected expenses. But other times, if we're really honest with ourselves, it might be a bit of our own fault. What do I mean by that? And it's really a question of stewardship. That's really what we're talking about. It's stewardship. And remember last week, as we started talking about this, and we looked at creation, what we began to realize, that a steward is one who manages the affairs, the property of another. This choir gave us an example of stewardship. They have been given a gift by God to sing, and they're using it wisely. Thank you again for that. Kathy talked about stewardship in her household, how she and Chris and their family look at giving, at managing what God has given to them. And last week we talked about this, we were reminded that we are so blessed as human, as human beings by God, that God has given us so much that everything that we have, when we sort of survey our portion of the kingdom, as we sort of survey our domain, everything that we look at is a blessing from God. We may want to fool ourselves and make statements like, well, I'm a self-made person, or I got all this because of all my hard work and elbow grease. And that may be true, but it's still a gift from God. Pure and simple, everything that we count, all the blessings. If I said, bring me a list of all your blessings, all of your assets, all the things that you think sort of support you, they're still gifts from God. They still belong to God. And how we manage these is stewardship. So in our text today, it's the first part of the story of the lost son, or some Bibles call it the prodigal son. Others call it the prodigal and the older brother. And it's fair to say that what we have going on in this text is that the younger son goes to his father and he has the boldness to say, give me my inheritance. And the father has the absurdity, if you will, or the grace, if you will, to give him his fair share. Now the text tells us immediately what happens, right? He goes far away, he leaves town, he goes to, maybe he goes to Tahiti or somewhere, I don't know. He goes to someplace exotic and he blows every bit of it, just like that. Now state lawyers and bank trust officers will use this story as the penultimate reason why you should establish a spendthrift trust. You all know what I'm talking about. But I think this story is more than just a good case for talking to estate lawyers or bank trust officers. I think this is a case for us to think about how well we use, how well we steward the gifts and the blessing that God has given to us. And with that in mind, it gives us maybe to think about two or three things. One is, do we really know where our money goes? Second, to think about the relationship, how do, how do we define the relationship between our lives and our stuff, our money and our possessions. What's the relationship that we have with money and things? And third, do we practice a discipline of faithful 
management of our financial blessings? Do we practice a discipline of financial management? So it leads to the first question, where did our money go? Now, if we get to the end of the month and we're asking ourselves the question, is there jingle in a jar? We sometimes follow with, if it's not quite as much jingle as we thought, we're probably prone to say, where did it go this month? How did I spend it? What did I do with it? Well, that's exactly what happened to the prodigal when he woke up. He woke up and he realized there's famine in the land and my pockets are empty. Oftentimes when we look at this text and we think that the prodigal son, the reason why it's called the prodigal is because he goes far away, he runs away from home. Uh, He does that, but that's not why he's called the prodigal. The very word prodigal, if you look it up in the dictionary, it is one who spends freely, recklessly. So hold on. He's labeled not because he ran away from his father, not because he had the boldness to ask for his inheritance. He's labeled a prodigal because he just spent it recklessly and freely. You might could say, if we really wanted to update the language on the heading of the story, call it the wasteful son. What happens is he wakes up and he realizes that he's sort of the victim of two lines of thought that are still pervasive in our world today. The first is this idea of instant gratification. And the second is this idea of the more we make, the more we waste. Now work with me on this. The first is this idea of instant gratification. The other one is this idea of the more we make, the more we waste. So this, this first part, I mean, think about it. He wanted everything now. And so he went out and he bought it all. He spent it all. And he sort of surrounded himself with all this stuff. And then when he's hungry, he's got nothing to buy food with. He's just got the stuff. My question is, do we do that too sometimes? Sometimes we walk in a store and we see a pair of shoes or a belt or a dress or a coat or a tie or some electronic trinket or some tool at the hardware store and we go, oh my gosh, that's a really good deal on that. I should get it now. Without asking ourselves, do I really need it or can I really afford it? Instead, we just whip out the wallet, we pull out the charge card and cha-ching, we'll ring it up. So there's a whole rom-com out there called Confessions of a Shopaholic, and it's all about this. And of course, it's got the rest of the rom-com story where, you know, there's, there's a happy ending and all of this and all of that junk. But there's this really uncomfortable moment at the beginning. I got to confess to you. There's this uncomfortable moment where this, this young adult woman, she is, she is a shopaholic, and she's dodging the creditors. They're calling the house. They're telling her roommate, don't answer the phone. Don't answer the door. It's not the pizza guy. It's somebody to tell us that it's, an, it's another notice past due. She says, I'm going to get my life together. I'm going to get it together. So she goes to the store. She's, walking, she's going down the street. She looks at her and she sees the perfect pair of shoes. I mean, those of you that are into shoes, you know what I'm talking about. So Kate May and Tammy really like shoes. And if I said the perfect pair of shoes, they can describe it immediately, what they would go buy. And she sees this perfect pair of shoes and she goes in. She's got these two voices that say, you can't afford it. Oh, you do deserve it. You can't afford it. Oh, you deserve it. She puts her shoes on the counter and she says, ring me up. The total comes up and she hands out her credit card and the guy goes, this is declined. There's not enough room on your card for this. She puts an O on it. There's not enough room. There's not enough room. And there's this anxious moment for me, and if you've seen this movie, maybe for you too, where she goes, we'll put $5 on this one, 10 on that one, 20 on this one, 15 on here, and I think I've got mm, $2.12 in cash. Should this cover it all? Should she be buying these shoes? No. 
But instant gratification, it's a painful reality for some folks in our world that we fall victim to this. The other part of that question, where does our money go? If it's not to the instant gratification, it's the more we make, the more we waste. Now, there's a couple of real examples I want to give you this. If you have ever given your child 10 bucks, 20 bucks, shoot, 40 bucks to go on the school field trip to the zoo, how much money comes back? Do you get any change back? No. I'm wondering, I mean, there's a reason there's a $100 stuffed tiger at the zoo because there's a chance that if you send your kid with $100, you've just bought a stuffed tiger. I'm convinced of this. You're not getting any of it back because it's burning a hole in their pocket and they don't understand it. They just see, I got to have it and I can afford it. A few years ago, I met a guy named Jeff. He became a friend of mine. Jeff uh, in his career was involved in sports and specifically with Major League Baseball. And at one point in his career, he was the traveling secretary for the St. Louis Cardinals. And the traveling secretary is one of the coolest jobs I think you could have had at that time. Is he was responsible for making sure that all the plane reservations, all the buses, so there's a traveling secretary, I'm sure for you all, that's how you're on the Carolina bus. So by the way, no, we're not doing a tune-up game with the men's basketball team after church. The Carolina bus is here for the choir, so... Just be really clear. Um, but anyway, the traveling sector is responsible for all that, but he's also responsible for handing out the per diem, read that to mean the meal money for each city when they arrived. So they had arrived in a city for a three-game uh, three stand, and he handed the players the meal money. Now, these are highly compensated athletes, and the meal money is still a pretty good deal. I mean, those of you that travel for business, it's probably better than your meal money. I gotta be honest with you, Jeff told me stories. But these guys come back the next day and they come to Jeff and they go, uh, Mr. Jeff, could we get an advance on next city's meal money? This is the next day. They've only been there not even 12, not even 24 hours in advance. And he goes, whoa, 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 what happened? He's thinking his guys got robbed. He's thinking they lost their money. He's thinking that maybe it's not enough and these guys are super hungry and he's worried about taking care of his players. He said, where did all your money go? And they all sheepishly smiled and they pulled out gold ropes. Major League Baseball players, if you're really good, apparently you need to have a gold rope necklace. And so they blew all their meal money on a gold rope. The more we make, the more we waste. It's those impulse buys. Sometimes we get to the end of the month, we say, where did our money go? It's to these impulses. So one of the things that we've got to do is break these habits. Because this is not what God wants for us to be impulsive like that. Instead, like faith, we've got to have some discipline in our lives. And so one of the ways that we do that is, is think about impulse buys. How many of you go to the grocery store hungry? Don't raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out. But think about this. Is that you? I did it once or twice um, it's an expensive endeavor because I will eat anything when I'm hungry and it all looks good. Or what about this idea of when you go to the grocery store, take a list. Or wherever you shop anywhere, take a list and stick to the list. Rabbit adherence to it. If you walk in the store and you see something you like, whether it's a gold rope or whether it's shoes or a tie or a TV or some other electronic... Before you're tempted to buy it, wait 24 hours. Make a pros, cons list. Look at the cost and the rest of it, its impact on the bottom line of the jar at the end of the month. See, when we're better stewards of the resources that God has given us, 
we ask first, where is our money going? Not where did it go, but where is it going? And sometimes we ask ourselves, where and how do we live like prodigals? So we start to answer that question, we begin to think about our relationship between money and stuff. Now let's just face it, we're all consumers. That's just who we are. That's just part of humanity. We just have to consume. Like We have to eat, we have to have clothes, we have to have places to live. We're all consumers, but that's not why we were put on the earth. That was not why we're created. Matter of fact, in order to really develop a better relationship with money and stuff, we've got to realize who we are and whose we are. Get back to those kind of fundamentals. It starts with being very clear about our purpose and our calling. Now, the marketing world, the wheels of commerce, they tell us that we should buy and that we should consume, that we deserve it, that we should treat ourselves like that perfect pair of shoes or that we should keep up with the Joneses, the Joneses, that we need to redo our wardrobe to be hip or cool or whatever the phrases are. That's what the world's marketing forces tell us. But what is it that God tells us? God tells us, I created you to care for creation. To care for people, to care for the needy, to care for your families. The Bible tells us that what are we to do? That we are to seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. So we want to get back to the fundamentals of who we are and what we're supposed to be about. Then we need to be about clear about those purposes, about what the Bible says. And when we're clear about that, then we begin to use our resources, our finances, our money for this purpose and this purpose alone. So as we get in tune with that this week, as we begin to think about what our purpose is, what God is calling us to be and who God is calling us to be, then maybe let's sort of reflip the script and let's set some goals. Three different types of goals. The first goal, let's set some short-term goals for our lives. This week, set two short-term goals for your life. Then set two mid-term goals. Set two long-term goals. And then think about how your blessings, your finances, your money can be used to achieve those goals and to build the kingdom for God. Because that's what really stewardship is about, isn't it? Is aligning our blessings with our divine purpose, with God's intended purpose for our life. And when we have those goals in front of us, then it should really focus on how we actually use our money. We understand that we have tendencies to act like prodigals and we want to put that aside. We understand who we are and whose we are and how we want to live. Then the final step is where the rubber meets the road and it's just like growing in faith. It's about disciplined use of those resources. So if you decided, if you've been laying on the couch for the last two and a half, three years, and you decide that you want to run a marathon, you just don't sign up for one and go running tomorrow, do you? No. You do couch to 5K, then 5K to marathon. You do a training plan. If you want to read the Bible, you think, gosh, I, should, I really want to know what's in this book more than what we hear on Sunday morning. I think I want to read the whole thing. Then read it every day. You can read the Bible in a year. There's whole plans for that. If you're struggling with an addiction, you enter a 12-step program. If you want to walk closer with Christ, you begin making those changes, those acts of piety, acts of mercy. 
You know, two months ago, I asked us if we would journey together to pray every day, to read the Bible every day. And if you've been doing that, this has become a habit, right? You're intentional about these things. Managing our resources the way God wants us to is the same kind of exercise. It is an act of disciplined faith. So the first part of the first step of this is to figure out that you need a budget and a spending plan. Friends, I got to tell you, if you say, if I say to you, how are your finances? You say, well, all the bills are paid and there's money in the bank. That's not a finance plan. That's just a fact that's either yes or no. A couple of years ago, I met a, a car dealer in Greensboro, Royce Reynolds. Many of you may know him. Royce worked, on, worked with me on the foundation, uh, United Methodist Foundation Board of Directors. And Royce's favorite phrase was, if you can't measure it, you can't management. manage it. And it works for ball teams. It works for car dealers. It works for budgets. It works for church. It works for staff. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So the first step for us to be disciplined is to come up with a system to build a budget and a spending plan. And there are six parts of that I want to sort of give you some thoughts to think about. The first is that when you put that together, the first step in any financial planning is tithing and giving. Now here's why that's important. Tithing is 10%. The Bible says this in the Old Testament, it's the first fruits of our harvest. It's all the blessings that God has given to us, right? Everything that we have, God has given to us. And when we return first fruits as the Bible asks us to, it's our way of saying thanks. Now, that biblical standard is 10%, which means we get to keep 90% of the blessings. I mean, that's amazing. God gives us all of this, and we say thanks with a small portion. Hey, if you're not giving 10%, but that's the goal, that seems very, it seems like a steep hill to climb. Just take a step forward, increase it by one percentage point, and see the difference that it makes. The second step is to create that budget, to figure out where your money goes and where you want it to go, how it aligns with those goals and visions that you have. And there's all kinds of resources to help you keep that and to manage it. Now, if you hear the word Excel spreadsheet and it makes you freak out and go into hives, don't panic. Don't use that. If you hear the word Excel and you get excited like me, then there's your tool. Build your budget with that. But if you, if you freak out with the word Excel spreadsheet, there are apps. Go to the Apple uh, go to the Apple Store, the Google Play Store, and just type in easy-to-use budget apps or something like that. There's a whole slew that will pop up. Some you have to pay for, some are free, but start somewhere and build that budget and track your spending. The second is to simplify our lives, to simplify where we spend our money. We'll talk about simplification a little bit more next week. The third brings us to this idea of an emergency fund all the financial planners say that you should have in liquid savings and liquid holding about three months worth of income. Let me tell you why you do that. It seems like that every time I need to buy a set of tires for my car, it's Christmas. Or, like last year, I got to the joy of buying a new washing machine just as one of my daughters came home from camp. Now, the option is you need a washing machine in general, but when the camp clothes come home, and those of you that send kids to camp know you have two options, wash the devil out of them or just take them in the backyard and burn them. Those are really two choices. 
a washing machine is essential. So that emergency fund helps with those unplanned expenses, those things that you don't know you need until all of a sudden it's right on top of you. Fifth, we talked a little about last week about credititis, how as Americans we have this tendency to, to ring it up and to charge everything and all of that. Well, let's stop that cycle. Let's stop that. So attack credititis by paying off those credit cards and use debit cards only. If you can afford it, that means cash in hand one way or the other, use that. Now, and use credit only when you have to have those big items that you've got to finagle some things around, but you've got to do at that moment. I go back to things like tires. If you've got to move some money around, you can put it on the card, but pay it off. And six, come up with a long-term savings plan. When our kids were young, we, we started trying to teach this lesson. We did sort of like, we used peanut butter jars. And so we would give our kids a dollar allowance and we'd give it to them in dimes. And we'd teach them, in this jar is the money to go to church, the giving jar. You put a dime in there. Notice that that's a tithe. This jar is a savings jar. You put a dime in here. This jar is the do with it what you want jar. The rest of it goes in there. Now, it's a simple tool that we can use with our children, but it really applies to us as adults as well, though I really kind of want to advocate that maybe the jars need to be a little broader. There's still the giving jar, but the savings jar are things such as the emergency savings. Until you build that up, you need to sort of bank that, bankroll that one. There's the retirement savings jar. Please save for retirement. The third one is the wants and needs. That's when you decide that you want a new TV or you feel like you need a new TV. Now you have the money for it. And then the rest of it is the spend jar. See, friends, when we practice disciplined money management, we won't find ourselves in the far country lost and in need like the prodigal. When we, find, when we practice disciplined money management, we begin to realize that we're using the blessings of God the way God intended for us to do it. We're going to see the relationship between those blessings and our stewardship of them. So I'll leave you with these three thoughts. As you ponder what you hear, have heard today and you think about the prodigal son, the wasteful son, you're trying to figure out where are you in the midst. If this has hit you between the eyes and you feel convicted, have grace. Because chances are you didn't get here overnight. Telling the nine o'clock crowd years ago when I was in my, my late 20s, early 30s, I'd gone to the doctor, I'd gone to see my primary care physician, hadn't seen him in a couple of years, and you know, they did a the whole thing where you stand on the scale and everything else, and let's just be honest, I had gained some weight, uh, and I knew this, right? And so the nurse comes out, and she's got this grave look on her face. I think she's getting ready to tell me that like, my arm is about to fall off or something, and she says, do you know do you know that you've gained 20 pounds since your last visit? Now, I knew this, but I really want to go, well, holy cow, no wonder why my pants don't fit. I didn't get there overnight. It wasn't like I'd seen the doctor the week before and I'd bulked up in seven days. It took a while. The traps that we fall victim to when it comes to our money and our resources, we didn't get there overnight. So have grace with ourselves for this. The second is have patience. Just like we didn't get there overnight, it's going to be a journey and a process to get to a better place. Much like the rest of that story of the prodigal son, he had to make a journey to get back to the right spot. New habits take 28 to 40 days. 
Those of you that have been doing for the last 60 days uh, the reading of the Bible and the praying every day, my guess is it's finally become a habit for you and you're looking to do that every day. Same thing with managing our financial resources the way God wants us to. And finally, don't give up because the goal matters. See, the goal, remember what it is, the goal is that abundant life in God because God wants the best for you and for me and for all the world. And God says, count your blessings, be content with what I've given to you, but don't worry about tomorrow because you've got just what you need if you live the way I want you to. See, that's the goal. To be good stewards of these blessings. So when we practice these things, ask these questions of ourselves, then we are on the road to the stewardship of the blessings of life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.